that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Stephen Means. It is Wednesday and we are talking recruiting. Ohio State has picked up a couple of commitments in the last week. One happened Tuesday night. Another one happened last week. The one last week was Malik Hartford, a senior or I'm sorry, a safety from here in Ohio. And we're going to talk about him a little later, but we're going to start off talking about the breaking news breaking-ish news of the week, and that is American Heritage running back Mark Fletcher out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, committing to Ohio State Tuesday night. He was uh, kind of an expected commitment. He's the number 153 prospect in the country, the number eight running back, picked Ohio State over Miami, Michigan, and Penn State. Steven, just tell us a little bit about what kind of player Mark Fletcher is and what he brings to that running back room here in a couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's for what Ohio State wants to do in this 2023 class. It basically just checks off one half of the coin. It, if you remember the 2021 class where they went and got Evan Pryor as a top 100 recruit, and then they went and got Travion Henderson as the number one running back in the country. And Who? brought them both in. Yeah, there's some kid from Virginia who's he's OK. He's nothing special. But you bring both of those guys in, in that class. They want to repeat that in this cycle. And Mark Fletcher, for all intents and purposes, is the Evan Pryor side of that. Not necessarily in play style. Um, he's a lot bigger than Evan Pryor yeah. is. Like, I'd say like the exact six, opposite in play style. Yeah, almost, <laughs> yeah, like he's a bruiser. Really more, he's like more like Mayan Williams in a sense of how he runs. He's, he's taller, but the bowling ball bounces off of everybody. Kind of violent runner that you see with Mayan Williams. He's more like that. So Tony Offer checks off that part. Good. He's one. 225 pounds. So again, not a, a, a guy whose physicality kind of jumps out at you as far mm-hmm. as his talents. If you've been able to watch him on film or you've seen him in person, just how does he run and how do you think that translates to the college level? I think it translates pretty well for what Ohio State's offense is. And we're going to really see it play out this season. Obviously, Travion Henderson's the top dog. He's the lead back. But as we've said multiple times as we go into practices, C.J. Stroud's working with Mayan Williams as much as he's working with Travion Henderson, which means that there is going to be some level of a two-back system, even if it's Travion 10 carries to Maya, for Mayan every three or four carries he gets. It, that's kind of the pickup here. And as you, you kind of see where I'm leading down the road here with it, if he's the second guy in that two-back system, that's a pretty good two-back system. So that's what my expectation for Mark Fletcher is coming in here. The other side of that coin is where the focus now goes. And that's Richard Young. That's where you put all your focus as the number two running back in the country, the number 19 overall player. And when he was here last summer working with Tony Offer, he looks like a freak. He's 5'11", 200 pounds, but he looks like a 25-year-old grown man. Uh, it, it, it was pretty interesting to see him in person. Now, granted, the, the workout Tony Offer put him through was pretty was pretty extenuous, so he was a little tired after it. But it, it, that that's a real-life He's Travion Henderson, and the idea of those two sitting behind Travion and, and Evan Pryor in 2023, and then Richard Young takes over as the top dog in 2024, while Evan Pryor and uh, Mark Fletcher and Dallin Hayden are kind of your, your secondary guys is what's on the table here. Richard Young put out his top seven 
um, over the weekend, included Ohio State into that. But out of that seven, this is a battle between Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. And so now that, you know, Mark Fletcher is in place out of Florida, American Heritage High School, which is going to be a pretty important high school for Ohio State in this cycle, which we can get into later in this pod. Now Tony Offer can spend the rest of his time down at Lehigh Acres, Florida, you know, trying to get the Travion Henderson of the 2023 class. So the reason that the Henderson prior thing worked was because Evan Pryor bought into it. And Evan, and I guess Trevor Henderson did too. He wasn't, you know, warded off by Ohio State wanting to take two guys in that class. He was fine with whatever competition was going to ensue there. And as it turned out, he was advanced enough that there wasn't really competition there. What have you have we talked to Mark Fletcher about what Ohio State has told him about this situation and why it appeals to him as opposed to going somewhere and being the clear number one in that class? Yeah, it's it. The one thing you see when you talk to all these running backs, Mark Fletcher, Chapin Henderson, on down the list, they all, if you sell it right, they understand it. And the idea of why put that much strain on your body in college when you know you play a position that probably has the shortest life shelf, shelf life in terms of skill position players. And so you can go come somewhere like Ohio State where the offense is still explosive. You can still get your numbers, still have enough film to put it something quality together for the NFL and still going to have a quality career. And instead of maybe your career lasting five years, where maybe, you know, you make it through your second contract, you easily get to that second contract and maybe you can extend it to 10, 11, 12 years, just because you didn't put an extra 150 carries on your body as a college student. And that that's how Ohio State has to sell it. It can't be sold as like, hey, we're going to alternate series like we did in 2018 with Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins. It has to be sold in the way of, listen, we're an explosive enough offense that both of you guys can, you know, flirt with 800 plus rushing yards and then get to the NFL. That's how you have to sell it is what does this mean for your NFL career? Well, but when does that ever happen? And when has that worked in Ohio State's favor? Like that isn't what's happening in the backfield now between Trevon Henderson and Evan Pryor or even Trevon Henderson and Mayan Williams. And the one time that Ohio State did split things yeah. up that evenly, you are among the people who thought it was a disaster. Yeah. And that's why it makes this season so important. It's almost like to use an example for the, the, the quarterback situation when Ryan day comes here and he's telling all these quarterbacks, Hey, we're going to throw the ball here. And there's nothing in the past that suggests that they're going to do it. And then Dwayne Haskins does goes out and does what he does. And now every, now they get every quarterback in the world right now you're in sales pitch mode of, Hey, this can work. This can work. This can work. You got Travion and Evan prior to believe in it. And both, but now with Travion and Henderson and Mayan Williams, both being significant parts of this offense, it's right now you're pitching it. And in the fall, you're going to have to go prove it. I agree with you. It sounds good in theory, but I think until you put it on the field right now, it can just be something that you're pitching the kids and see if they go for it. Well, it, it doesn't sound good in theory because Ohio State doesn't really do it. Like, I don't think there's – does anyone really think it's going to be a, an even split in the backfield with any of these guys? Isn't every scenario you look at for the next couple of years, there's always a top dog, and then it's the fight for who's going to be the – bottom dog like I don't know the second dog I don't know however you want to say it like so let's look at the 2023 room Trevin Henderson will still be here as a junior Mike Williams could be here as a redshirt junior Evan Pryor could still be here as a redshirt sophomore Dallin Hayden would probably I would imagine be a redshirt freshman but he could yeah. be a could be a sophomore and then 
any guys that you take in the 2023 class. And that's not even including Marcus Crowley. And I'm not leaving him out uh, to be mean. I just, where he sits injury wise Mm -hmm. and with everything, all the other dynamics are happening in that room. I don't know where to slot him in, but right there, I just named you off six guys who probably think they should be getting carries for a college football program. That's just for 2023. And you can look ahead to 2024. Assume Trevion Henderson is in the NFL. Mayan Williams could still be around as a redshirt senior. Evan Pryor could still be around as a redshirt junior. Down Hayden would then be a, a, a uh, third-year player. And then you'd have two second-year running backs from this group. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Doesn't every scenario, that maybe be 2024, maybe be the first year where you're thinking um, – that it's an all-out battle and that you do go to some kind of committee, but isn't it your expectation that in 2024, Richard Young is sitting at the top of that pile and everybody else is fighting for the, the change of pace crumbs, the, the spell crumbs behind him. Yeah. And that's probably how this ends up working out. There's also an element of this, of like just roster projection and what you think the roster might look like. You just brought up Marcus Crowley. He's not healthy right now. And so he's not participating. Dallin Hayden doesn't get here to the summer. So Ohio state's getting through the spring season. They've only got three healthy scholarship running backs. And if you think that I know we're projecting that mine Williams will still be here and Evan Pryor will still be here and Marcus Crowley, but what if they're not like we can't, that's something you can't, I know we don't like to just get to discuss his lives like that, but you kind of have to in the world of the transfer portal. No, it's so fair. If you th- yeah. So if you think at this point that there's a chance that you might only have three returning scholarship running backs coming back after this season, then you probably do need to, you know, go find, if you want five in the room, which is what Ryan, they want five scholarship running backs that, that probably plays a role in it just as much as selling kids on this idea of like somebody being Travion and somebody being Mayan. That's cool for the on the field stuff, but there's also this element of they want five running backs and they might have to take two this, this cycle to make sure that happens. So yeah, that 2023 scenario that I put out there, and here's why I think it's fair to, to talk about transfers. I don't think we need to talk about any specific player right now transferring, mm-hmm. but that 2023 room that I read off to you, that was six guys, not including Marcus Crowley. And that 2024 room I read off to you was five guys, not including anybody they might go after for 2024. So I think you're right that there would have to be attrition in that room. I would be shocked if they opened the 2023 season with seven scholarship running backs. Yeah. And to that, yeah. So that, that's where we are. It's, it's a combination of, what Ohio State thinks it wants to do, I'm putting that in quotations because the people can't see me, but then also simple roster management in the world where these kids can transfer one time without penalty. Do they have to get a, a special kind of guy who's willing to make this commitment now, knowing that Ohio State hopes? I mean, I, I think they, he, this guy, you know, Fletcher probably sincerely believes Ohio State wants him. I think Ohio State sincerely does want him. I think they want him to come here and play football. But he also knows that Ohio State, the thing that will get them really excited is if another running back in his class signs over the top of him. How does Ohio State identify the right mental makeup in the guy that they're taking that first commitment from, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, it's a waste of everybody's time. If that guy isn't locked in before you you go get Richard Young. I think there's an element of it. And I don't want to sound like Ohio State Homer when I say this at all. Um, And so please don't take it that way. Um, You have to be very honest when you want to do stuff like this about what expectations are. It was very clear that Travion Henderson's expectations were 
you might be the starter. If you're not starter on day one, you're definitely going to be the starter by week three at the latest. And that's how that played out. While with Evan Pryor, there was an element of just because of how he was used in high school and his physical development, this first year might be a developmental year for you. Even if you do think you can come in and compete right away. And then it played out that way, right? Javion Henderson ended up being one of the better backs in the country. And Evan Pryor was pretty much out of sight, out of mind. And then when we got a chance to talk to running backs earlier this spring, he just physically looked like a different human being. And now he's ready to compete to go be a number two guy. And he wasn't ready to do that. And that has to be the case here with Mark Fletcher is physically he might be ready, but like from a football ability, he might not be ready. And the pitch to him might have to be year one isn't you can't expect all of it to come in 2023. It might take you a year to move up the death chart. While with Richard Young, it's like if Travion Henderson weren't here, we and Richard Young committed, we'd be having a conversation of can Richard Young be Ohio State starting running back in 2023. But it's a little easier now because with Mark Fletcher, you can go, look, it might take you a year of development before you get on the field. While with Richard Young, the pitches come be Travion Henderson's clear heir apparent, even if you don't get to do what Travion Henderson did as a freshman. Because as cool as it was that Travion Henderson got to do what he was a freshman, imagine if like they had another dude who was in his third year. Imagine if, Jake, if, if, if Travion Henderson would have been here in 2019 and he was behind J.K. Dobbins for a year watching that dude, and then he got to take over in 2020. The same way you see in Alabama and Georgia all the time where it is kind of like a line of running backs just kind of piled up there. Ohio State didn't have that, so Travion got to take off from day one. But that's the pitch. With Richards, it's spend a year learning from Travion Henderson and then you take off your starter in 2024. While with Mark Fletcher, it's like, Hey, come get developed for a year. And then in year two in 2024, you're going to have an opportunity to compete there in a role. I think that is the 2023 scenario is the really intriguing one. And I think my prediction is a year from now, if there hasn't been attrition by then mm-hmm. uh, that watch in that running back room is going to be uh, fun to watch, um, you know, young, I assume coming in and rolling early, if he even comes to Ohio state and that combination with Henderson, but then we're also going to be seeing, you know, the growth of Dallin Hayden, you're going to be a third year Evan Pryor at that point, you could still have mine Williams around. So that's what I'm saying. Like if, if there is no, you know, voluntary removal from that room, it's going to be an explosive one next year with Trevor Henderson still, you know, perched at the top, but then this, battle happening beneath that 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 starts to get really interesting and then 2024 i think is the one that's maybe a little bit you know you assume that young jumps to the top there and then it's kind of what you have maybe what we thought this spring was going to be but it hasn't really turned out that way because it feels like mayan williams really is entrenched as that Mm -hmm. i wouldn't call him 1a 1b because i still think trevin henderson is the clear number one so it's really the one two and then everybody's kind of playing for scraps after that right now it's definitely a J.K. Dobbins, Master Teague situation yeah. more than it is a Master Teague, Trey Sermon at the beginning of the year situation, for sure. Are you on commitment watch for anyone else? This is, like we said, two in the past week. Anything else that you think might be imminent before we um, talk a little bit more about American heritage? Yeah, I would have put the commit over um, under for April at one and a half, and they're going to go over it already. Um I don't know if I'm on watch, but I'm on intrigue with Carnell Tate because it's reached the point where everybody he they would take him today right now if he Remind called Harley. 
Yeah, the number 38 uh, player, the number five wide receiver, and a four-star recruit. He's from Chicago, but he goes to IMG now, and he's another – he was part of that big Florida group who was here for the student appreciation day practice, which we can get into some of that later, but um, this is a, a borderline five-star talent. He actually was a five-star up until the latest update of the composite rankings. He was a number three wide receiver um, behind Zachariah branch, who would have been a, a Buckeye if Lincoln Riley would have stayed put at Oklahoma and Brandon Ennis, who was the number one wide receiver in the country who has, as of the last couple hours here, scheduled his official visit to Ohio state for the Michigan game. So, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, Ohio State really doesn't like doing the in-game official visits. They like doing it in June. But when the number one wide receiver in the country says he wants to come to the Michigan game, well, then that's when he gets to come. That's just how you do that. Um, I, he, it's intriguing with him because this has been a Notre Dame-Ohio State battle for almost a year now. And he initially had an, a, a commitment day in October. He backed off of that. And he and the rest of that uh, that South uh, Florida Express seven on seventeen, which is just loaded with talent, have been traveling around the country, taking visits to a lot of different big time programs. And like I said, if he called Brian Hartline right now while he we are recording this podcast at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, and said I'm coming, he'd be like, "Cool, uh, let's get you a graphic made and uh, let's let's get this started." But uh, Brian Day answered a question from Zach Carpenter, I think a week and a half ago about some of this stuff. And he was talking about how he wants these players to get all these visits out of their system before they commit, because what he doesn't want is kids taking a bunch of visits after they commit. He wants you to know this is where you want to be, get some clarity, commit, and then help build the class and start, you know, getting ready to be a Buckeye. And that's, I mean, that's not a, 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 a thing that's just like only Ohio state, every school in the country wants you to not visit under schools once you commit. And it seems it, it would have seemed to me that when he was here on April 2nd, that that would have been a good place for him to get clarity and maybe pop. And so far, that hasn't happened. And it's going to he is now in, interesting to me. I still think it's a Notre Dame, Ohio State battle. But how many more visits does this kid need? before he feels ready to make a decision, whether that's Ohio State, whether it's Notre Dame, he was just on Tennessee's campus or anywhere else. Maybe it's maybe Lincoln Riley pulls some magic there and he ends up at USC. But I think it's not necessarily commitment watch. I just think watching him over the next couple of weeks here and maybe months, who knows how much longer he goes into this, the intrigue around like with kids where it's like you think you know where he's going to end up. Most people would say he's going to end up at Ohio State, but until he actually pops it, it's just kind of interesting to watch. I love when players have leverage and they know it and they just yes. say, oh, we're doing this on my timetable. <laughs> JT Tuomlo is the best example of it ever, but I, I like when players do that. And uh, the ball is in their court. They're the ones who are, who are trying, who are being sold on where to go. And um, so we'll see him at the spring game or at the uh, Michigan game, it sounds like. Break here. We're going to come back. That was the latest commitment from Ohio State. We owe you an update on the one that came before that. We're going to talk about Malik Hartford after the break here on Buckeye Talk. Ohio State now has two safety commits in the 2023 class. Malik Hartford, number 146 player in the country, the number 11 safety out of Lakota West here in Ohio. Steven, you were up there at his commitment last week. Just what kind of player is he going to be for the Buckeyes? He's tall. He's, he's every bit of that 6'3", 175. He's, he's pretty tall. Um, and so I'm looking at him in this size, and I'm like, he's going to be a free safety. And then I ask him, where does Jim Knowles see you fitting? And he says, everywhere. 
He can play all three spots. He can play the, you know, the, the bandit. He can play the nickel. He can play the adjuster. And I'm pretty sure they say that to everybody. So we'll see where he actually fits right. in. At that size, I would assume he's going to be a free safety. Yeah, I'm going to bet against nickel right now. Yeah, he but is. He's a we'll pretty. Yeah, he's got long arms. He's a pretty rangy. That's the first time I've seen him in person in a while. And so he's a pretty rangy, rangy kid. And I think this is an interesting. This is Eliano's first win as a as a as an Ohio State assistant coach. Because remember Cedric Hawkins, who committed while everybody was busy watching the Rose Bowl. And when I say everybody was busy watching the Rose Bowl, I mean everybody was busy watching the Rose Bowl, even the coaching staff. Don't commit during the Rose Bowl, guys. Like, come on, let's 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 be better than that. Um, commit whatever you want. You do what you want, but just not during the Rose Bowl. But yeah, his relation Cincinnati was actually the first school to offer him, so he has had a relationship with Perry Eliano heading back to then, and it was in one of those situations where Perry Eliano got a job at Ohio State. He hits up Malik Harford and says, "Hey, I wanted you in Cincy. I still want you. I just want you in Columbus now." And then they started building that relationship. He came up for an unofficial visit in mid-March, and that's when he made the decision to commit to Ohio State. He obviously didn't make it public for a couple more weeks. But, uh, yeah, this is, a, this, is, this is a pretty solid first win for Perry. Obviously, there's still more work to be done. Um, but they've got two of the three safeties that they plan on taking in this class, and now it's about going national. And, obviously, Caleb Downs and Jonel Aguero are at the top of that list of guys that they want to add to this class. And, but they got two of the three guys with Malik Harford and Cedric Hawkins. And they want, you know, and good, good first step for Perry Eliano. He is for all sense and purposes, because I'm not giving Justin Fry credit for, for Luke Montgomery. Luke Montgomery was coming here. Okay. That was always going to happen. So he's the first new assistant coach to go out there and get a recruit, get a commitment for a class. So Hartford is a good, two inches taller than Hawkins. So they're a a little bit different athletically. Are you seeing already, because the Jim Knowles defense, I mean, this has only got installed in January. I mean, the 2023 process had started before these coaching staff changes. As Mm -hmm. you just said, Perry Eliano was recruiting Malik Harford uh, before he even came to Ohio State. So now that they've had this coaching turnover, you've got two new position coaches in the secondary. You've got Knowles, orchestrating a defense and with a different perspective any indications yet as to what that has meant as far as how ohio state targets and selects the safeties the defensive backs that it is trying to bring in as early as this 2023 class yeah not really because it's a new scheme but the concept is not that new ohio state had started moving towards a 425 anyway last season and really the only reason they didn't do it sooner is because when they first took over in 2019 and 2020 they still had those experienced linebackers who were like just better than the defensive backs they had at the time but they have been moving towards this i remember you know when we were having these discussions about safety in 2022 the idea of when they were what they wanted was in a perfect world they wanted xavier wampa they wanted zion branch and they wanted uh, Kai Stokes and they ba- they had them all here at the same time that first weekend in, in June for official visits and sat them down and told them exactly which of the three safety spots each of them were and uh, Zion was the free um, Xavier was the strong safety and uh, uh, Kai was the cover safety obviously Kai is probably better suited at free safety at this point um, which is where he's playing at now. But that's how they have to go about it. It's just when you want three safeties in a defense, when you go out to recruit safeties, you have to tell people exactly who they should be watching. And so, as I talked about, Malik Harford should be watching 
Um, just the way we've uh, talked about safety, it's probably Ronnie Hickman who's probably going to be the free safety. I would say Cedric Hawkins, just his build. And he was here um, two weeks ago as well. So I got to see him in person for the first time. He's probably best as a nickel safety at this point. While a guy like Caleb Downs, that type of talent, or even a Jonel Aguero, that's probably your strong safety. That's your, your bandit, the, the playmaker of the safeties. They probably fit into those. So I would assume um, when I get a chance to talk to Caleb Downs again, that if, if, and if I talk to Perry Aliano about it in a perfect world, Hartford's the adjuster. Cedric Hawkins is your is your nickel, and then either Caleb Downs, Janelle Agrero. Now they're just missing the bandit, and the guys that they're going after fit that. You wrote a little bit about why this was an important week for Perry Eliano, and it went beyond just this commitment, right? What was mm-hmm. talk about? I guess that that whole week and why it was maybe a, a big you know uh, impact for him. Yeah, I, I said it. I think when we did a pod earlier a couple of months ago about the idea that Perry Eliano might be like a really hidden gym type of hire because he's never had these resources at his disposal when recruiting guys. And so if you go look at his, his resume as a recruiter on 247 sports, it's not the most impressive in the world, but like th- look at his stops. I mean, Cincinnati before since he had been at lower level programs where I, I remember having a conversation with him off to the side after the first time we got him. And he basically was just like, these kids love me. It's just like, they would say, Coach, we love you. I just can't go to that school. And yeah, like you're not going to, you know, some mid-major program when you're a five-star safety. That just is a ridiculous thing to ask anybody to do. But he had the resume, especially after last season with Kobe Bryant and then Ahmad Sauce Gardner, who's probably going to be a top 10 pick in this draft. He has the resume now and he has the resources. So what does that mean for a guy who might actually be an elite level recruiter. It starts with a guy who's a two, top 200 recruit in Malik Harford. And it puts him in, it not only gets him a seat at the table with the Caleb Downs and the Danilo Guerrero's and even Sonny Styles before he reclassified to 2022. It's, it makes you a real player. So can he capitalize on that this summer in a way that right now we're just not seeing from the other position coaches because maybe they have a little bit more ground to catch up. You know, I, I would agree that it's a, a good land for him. I think probably waiting till it's not just a top 150 guy from in state before yeah. I get real excited about what he's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, but that's, yeah. I think that's the standard that we apply to everything, right? I mean, it, yeah. you know, we've talked about that in relation to um, even Larry Johnson in recent years. Like, oh, you, you keep landing like the best defensive ends in the country who are within like 20 minutes of Columbus or whatever, yeah. like let, let's, you know, but he's obviously proven it over time. So uh, I, 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 you know, optimistic first step for Eliano. We'll see what that leads to down the line for him. Wanted to reset the room a little bit, including both Hawkins and Hartford now. So looking ahead to 2023, here's how this room would line up. If Ronnie Hickman comes back, he would be a redshirt senior. I think he's a guy who there's every reason to believe he would have the opportunity to leave after this year. But would it be such a sure thing as far as where he gets selected that he wouldn't think about coming back? I don't know. But that's one guy who could be in the mix. Lathan Ransom would be either a true senior if he's able to play this fall or a redshirt junior if he's not. All indications that we got at the time of the injury were that they expected him back this fall. But we'll see. I mean, Josh Proctor is still not full go this spring. He's not going to be playing the spring game on Saturday. So sometimes these things take time. Cam Martinez and Court Williams would both be redshirt juniors. 
Jansen Dunn and Andre Turntine will both be redshirt sophomores. Kai Stokes, we think, will probably just be a true sophomore. It seems like he yeah. might play enough. Sonny Styles is the one. He'll be a second year in the program. Whether he will end up just redshirting this fall or not, we don't know. I would be kind of my guess he's coming in so late, but we'll see. And you'd have Hawkins and Hartford on top of that. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. That's nine spots. It seems like they're at least one short still, but, but maybe more like two or even more because they want 11 in that room. And if Hickman leaves, then you're only looking at eight guys for that, I think. Yeah, I think nine. that would be nine. So they're probably they're probably still they probably still need two guys in this class, I would think. It's going to be an interesting discussion because I think when you project what you want in a class and then obviously things can change because the number of defensive linemen was changing a lot during that 2022 cycle when you weren't really sure um, because guys weren't necessarily playing to their potential. So you weren't really sure if like Zach was going to be back or not. And so I do think that right now it is three, but let's see what Josh Proctor looks like when we get on the field. Let's see what happens with, you know, a Ronnie Hickman when we get on the field, because that's going to play a role in this. Like how are the guys who are actually here right now playing and are they playing at a level where you feel like they might be out the door? Because let's just in theory here, Josh Proctor's probably gone anyway because he's a fifth-year senior at this point. So we can yep. – um, Ronnie Hickman is a fourth-year guy but a redshirt junior. But what if he take, like he had almost 100 tackles? What if he has almost 100 tackles again and feels like my draft grade is a fourth or third-round pick, but it's going to be a fourth or third-round pick even if right. I come back for another year, so I'm gone. We've discussed Court Williams at agonizing length at this point. But he is a third-year guy. Cameron Martinez is a third year guy who just got the silver bullet award last night, um, which was perfect timing for a story you re- you just wrote. Yes. What if one of those guys pops as a third year guy and then they're out of here? So then that changes the numbers of how many guys you want to bring in in the next class. So I do think there's an when you're building a, when you're building a roster, there's and you're trying to build a recruiting class. There's the initial projection of, OK, at bare minimum, because even when I, I ask people in the program these questions, it's like, yeah, bare minimum. This is what they want. This means everything just goes according in the plan and nothing cu- catches you off by surprise, which is right now. That's what's happening. They lost Bryson Shaw and Legend Cavazos from the room, which is not all that shocking, given the talent that's ahead of both of those guys. So if everything goes according to plan, then they probably just take three. And if they feel like they need to go to the transfer portal to find another guy, then they just do that as a one-year rental. But if guys start popping, then that number of safeties rises, which is why, you know, when I say, you know, who the remaining targets are, I didn't just list, you know, Caleb Downs. I said, you know, uh, Jonel Aguero, um, Elliot Washington's committed to Alabama right now, but I'm, they're probably still working there. There's probably some guys in their backyard that they're keeping an eye on that they haven't offered yet. And they just want to see them on campus again. The best thing that they can do right now is not get caught in a situation that they were in in 2022, where you put all your eggs in the basket for Zion Brandt and Xavier Wampa. And if you don't get them, you have to act like you were cool with the fact that you didn't get them. So I'm glad you brought that up because that leads to my next question, because as in any position that we talk about when it comes to Ohio State recruiting, um, it it can't just all be solid guys like you're supposed to be recruiting at the elite level. And that was two more elite level guys that they didn't get Mm -hmm. that they were, you know, really striving to get in that class, didn't get. And it left a little bit of a hole. 
Uh, obviously, then Sunny Styles reclassifies and is coming in this fall. But it's still in the long term, there's a bit of a talent gap here. And all due respect, you know, Cedric Hawkins is a top 250 guy. Um, Hartford is a top 150-ish guy. So solid players, but that would be the other thing, not just numbers, but it seems like that impact guy is what they still don't have necessarily for this class. The, the guy who could maybe challenge to come in and play right away. Yeah, and uh, it's supposed to be Sonny, but he's here early, so that is what it is. Uh, Caleb Downs is a guy I think can come in here and play right away. Um, but also, I don't know if safety even if it's even if it's not right away you know what i'm saying like a guy yeah, who is like going to have to take yeah. 3 years to get into yeah. the depth chart like a guy who you think could turn pretty quick like what they're getting with cornerback right now this yeah. spring where you've got um, where you've got Hancock and Johnson both ready to maybe be important players this fall in second yeah. year that's actually a better comparison for that especially at safety right now given what the depth is they need to find any, they have the need to land Caleb Downs or they need to find the Kai Stokes, where the ranking isn't there, but there's context for why the ranking isn't there. Because if you look at Kai Stokes, it's not that shocking that he was the first freshman. Now, maybe, okay, you want to say CJ Hicks maybe would have lost his first. Okay, fine. But I mean, I've been talking about it at length with, I've been on the Kai Stokes train since he got here. He's 357 in his class. But it came down to Ohio State and Alabama. So that's a situation where throw the ranking out of the window. Alabama and Ohio State are fighting over this guy. That that trumps any ranking to me. And that's where I think if you want to do the stars don't matter thing, that's where you do it is when like the best college football coach of all time and the most consistent program over the past 30 years are in on a guy and fighting over him. And then he comes in and proves it. Who is that guy in the 2023 class? And maybe we don't find the answer to that question until June and July when you get camps in these national showcases again. But that's interesting. That's I, that's almost more interesting to me than the Caleb Downs situation because everybody knows what the deal is with him. Georgia wants him. Bama wants him. Ohio State wants him. Every, he's the best safety in the country and 11th best player. But who's the Kai Stokes? Who where whether it's because he just didn't do the the, the camp circle circuit and just focus on his high school recruiting or he's just a late bloomer no one's paying attention to his ranking so we dismiss him but if you go look at his offer sheet it's like alabama georgia ohio state usc and it's like oh this guy might actually pretty be pretty good nobody knows about it yeah i i think they need to be keeping an eye on someone like that i mean the downs is 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 locked in i think that's 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 a given but and the other thing to remember there and i think you talked to jim Knowles about this right that sometimes mm-hmm they'll take a corner and turn him into that nickel safety. So a guy who doesn't necessarily have to be listed as a safety right now to be a future safety in this program. So that's another, just positionally keep that in mind that sometimes when they're, but they need corners in this class too. They are, they are thin on cornerback numbers and they they need some long-term depth there too. Yeah. The corner I I think deserves its own pot. That's going to get interesting. I think they really need AJ Harris to get back up here to Columbus. I'll just, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, and I think he's not the only person on that list, but because he is their top target, um, they really, really need him to visit again. And uh, as of right, it, he's, he has said publicly multiple times that the expectation was to get him here in April. Well, we're halfway through April and there's not a visit scheduled. So we'll see. 
after the break, we're going to talk who is visiting for this week's spring game and recap uh, just what the schedule is going to look like in the coming weeks and months. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. Stephen, Ohio State already had a, a bigger weekend for the uh, Student Appreciation Day open practice uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the April 2nd weekend that you already referenced. Who of any importance is going to be here in conjunction with the spring game this weekend? Yeah, a lot of the commits, especially the in-state guys. Ty Lockwood's been here a lot, but um, tight end Ty Lockwood, who's the first commit in the 2023 class tight end. He'll be here. Luke Montgomery will be here. Uh, uh, Josh Padilla will be here. Obviously, Malik Hartford, um, uh, all down the list. I think the biggest name, as far as from a recruiting ranking standpoint for the 2023 class, is Mateo Uyaleye, who is the younger brother of DJ. Um, the number 21 player, the number two edge rusher. This will be his second time here. Um, he and a bunch of the St. John Bosco guys were trying to get here during the season for one of the bigger games, but it just never really worked out that way. He got a one-on-one workout with Larry Johnson last summer, and he is big. DJ's big. Mateo's bigger. Um, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere or not, but I do feel like this is the type of visit where – they're going to come out of this thing and thinking there's a realistic chance that Mateo ends up a Buckeye because Larry Johnson is Larry Johnson, or he doesn't end up a Buckeye. And I don't think there is any type of, you know, chastation on Larry Johnson. If he doesn't get this kid, I mean, his brother's at Clemson. So it's like, you know, it is what it, that's, this is, this definitely feels like a, a feel it out and see if it's real type of a visit, especially since it's an unofficial visit, not an official. Um, but this is more Cedric Hawkins will also be back up here. Um, most, like I said, most of the commits, this is more a because they had that week with a lot of the 2023 guys a couple of weeks ago. And it's because this is Easter. So it's just harder to get guys up here. This seems more like a 2024 weekend of who's who's Jaden Davis will be making um, his third visit, fourth visit. Actually, he came twice in the summer and then obviously was at. Actually, he might have been at two games. I think he was at the Oregon game and the Penn State game. So this might be visit number five for him. Um, the number, uh, the top quarterback in the 2024 class, who is one of two guys that Ohio State would love to have. Um, I think this one will be an interesting one for him as well because Dylan Riola, who's the number two, uh, number three quarterback in that class, who's got like USC momentum, but we'll see. He was just here as well. Um, those they'll take either one of those uh, quarterbacks. I think Dylan Riola, just where his physical development has gone maybe fits the Ohio State mold a little bit better. Um, he's 6'3", 225 pounds. And you know, Ryan, I mean, if you go look at the quarterbacks in the room right now for Ryan Day, they're all six foot three. While Jaden Davis right now was listed at six foot 185. So it seems like a, I'm not saying that they would not take him because he's only six foot. He just doesn't necessarily fit the mold that we've seen from Ryan Day quarterbacks. And so once they get a chance to get their eyes on him, it's probably going to be like, has he grown a little bit? Does he still fit what we want in a quarterback? Um, does Dayton Davis feel like this offense is still what he wants in an offense and all that type of stuff? So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Sammy Brown, the top linebacker in the 2024 recruiting class, he got an offer a couple months ago. He'll be back up here for a visit. So I do think this is more about the 2024 class and building momentum, getting clarity, seeing some of these guys who are going from sophomore to junior year of high school, so they're still growing into their bodies and stuff and seeing what these guys look like in person than it is about the 2023 class and trying to build momentum towards commitments. So shortly after the spring game, I have my own recruit that I'll be uh, signing yes. here for the house, and I'll be scarce for a couple months, but you're going to be busy with recruiting stuff. Can you kind of lay out for people what you think – 
May and June are going to look like around campus? What's happening camp-wise? What are going to be like the important weekends to keep an eye on? Every weekend in June is important because as we know with Ohio State, they want to put all their energy and focus into these commit and into these recruits because, you know, that's just how they operate. They would rather do them in the summer than they would in, in the fall. And so I would expect there to be a Buckeye Bash 3.0 or whatever cool name they come up with it for the first weekend. Where they, I don't know if it'll be an all out commit fest like it was last year, just because we're not coming off of a pandemic where you wanted to reward guys, which is why so many of them are coming this this weekend. But I do think that there will be a lot of big names during that first weekend and then on down the line in June, because that's when these official visits typically start. Um, But between now and then, it's just more, you know, how many more commits can they rock up in April? Um, May will be interesting to see how many guys can get they can get up here and get guys on campus and how many commits they can do in them. But it's really more just see how many you can get between now and June 1st. And then it's official visits and day camp time, which is always a fun time to see a bunch of kids running around trying to earn some trying to earn offers, some taking tours, getting one on one workouts and stuff like that. So it's a pretty busy time for Mark Pantone. You tease something, too, that I want to close on about uh, getting Fletcher out of American heritage being uh, having some residual yeah. effect. Like wh- what is why does that pay off potentially down the line for Ohio State? If it starts with Fletch, so Florida has 33 offers from Ohio State, like the state has 33 offers in this cycle just for 2023, just for 2023. The next highest is Ohio with 17 offers in this cycle, which shows you how much t- I mean, Florida always has this level of talent. But in this cycle, I'm just going to start listing off some names of some guys that are important to Ohio State. Richard Young. Brandon Ennis. Carnell Tate from Chicago, but because he goes to IMG, they list him as a Florida recruit, which I hate. Let's like we know IMG is a prep school. Like, just tell us where they're actually from. Um, Francis McGoya the number two tackle in the country, number eight overall player. Peyton Kirkland has basically trended away from Ohio State at this point. There was a time when it felt like he left that Michigan State game. That's the number 200 player, the number 20 offensive tackle. He was a lot higher in the rankings back then where it felt like he was going to pop for Ohio State at any time. He's since put out another top schools list and didn't include Ohio State on it. And also understood the momentum took him to Ohio State because he addressed Buckeye fans and a tweet right after that saying it's still love i just have to take my own path and all that stuff but carmani mcclain sharif denson these those are two you know top 200 cornerbacks carmani mcclain is the top cornerback in the country uh cedric Watkins, uh damon fagan uh on down the that's just the troy Bowles is from florida some of these guys are american heritage high school which is a high school down in florida some of these guys play for the seven on seven you know south um south florida express team but this is a very important cycle for Ohio State in the terms of Florida, because Florida might it's very similar to I want to say 2017, when I think they got four or five or six guys from Texas, like J.K. Dobbins, Baron Browning, Jeff Okuda. I think if this plays out the right way in a perfect world, it's a similar thing, but it's in Florida, especially right now with how important that would be, given that Florida just the state of Florida, I mean, there's a new coach at Miami and there's a new coach at Florida and they're trying to build their program. So while they're still like in transition of power mode, if they can steal some guys from Billy Napier at this time when Billy Napier's like 
having a little bit of buzz around him, especially with a guy like AJ Harris, that would be a big thing for this class. So it's, it's almost, you offer 33. Can you get five? And if you get five, can you get like the top 100 guys like Brandon Innes and Richard Young and on down the list? Uh, Cedric Hawkins started that because he does play for the uh, the Southwest, the South Florida Express team. Um, Mark Fletcher can start the American Heritage High School part of that, which is also the same high school that uh, Brandon Innes goes to. So that's we did a pod last year about what are the most important states to Ohio State going forward. I think I put Florida on that list and the cycle Florida is the most important state to Ohio State. Yeah, and we've talked specifically about this sort of surgical strike thing that Ohio State does where they see a vulnerability, they get in there, they plunder it, for lack of a better term, that may be indelicate, but they go in there and they try to take advantage of when other major programs are dipping. Uh, We've seen it in Texas, we've seen it in California, we've seen it in the Pacific Northwest, and that may be what you're happening in, in Florida right now because obviously Florida took a dip having to fire its head coach and you know Miami is now in a change we are bringing in Mario Cristobal but that's it's a changeover that's happening there and Florida State has obviously you know receded a little bit so the opportunity is there now whether it's somewhere they um, put down stakes and like make a, a prolonged encampment and try to do this in multiple classes or if this is where they're loading up for 2023 to try to try to get in there in that gap I think that remains to be seen, but it's, it's clear that, that 20, that Florida is a major priority for 2023. I think it's, you made an interesting point there. Is this going to be someplace they can take advantage of for a couple of years? Like we saw with California and Texas, or are they just getting in at the right time? It's interesting to watch Ohio state's plans. I don't want to say change, but evolve with all the, the, the musical chairs and the coaching carousel we saw in the offseason this year and how do they approach it? Can you still do the, oh, this is a weak area that always has talent? Or do you have to take an approach of there are good programs here, but there's always going to be more talent than that program is willing to take? And it's interesting. I think Florida, the state of Florida fits that because Florida's class is never going to be 25 guys of all Florida guys. And neither is Miami's. If you're clicking on all cylinders, Georgia, I mean, you're not going to have 25 guys of all Georgia guys. And there's always, you know, 40, 30 guys who are top 200 players from those States. So do you just decide you fight for the top dogs in those States? And you also can take the 27th best player in Georgia or the 27th best player in Florida because he they, Georgia doesn't have room to take them. And it's still the 27th best player in Georgia might be better than the second best player in Ohio, just because the talent is so rich in those areas. And so that, that that's an interesting thing when you say is Ohio state in Florida for the long term, or are they just getting in it in this cycle because they know they can't. Well, you have to have a presence in Florida regardless. I mean, it just yeah. produces too much talent. If you want to be one of the best programs in the country, you have to have a, a, a presence there. I think, though, if you had, if we had had this conversation a year ago and I had asked you, who is Ohio State's most important recruiter in Florida? Who would you have said? Kerry Combs, who is no longer on the staff. So yeah. you've got Tim Walton, who now has a back. He spent time in Florida. Um, you know, Perry Eliano, I'm sure, has some connections down there. But I feel like this staff, maybe it's also a little bit of overkill for this class because you have to reestablish some connections there and make sure you have that foundation set for the future years. Cause I don't think you can, you don't have to get every good recruit that comes out of Florida, but when there is one to get a guy that can change your program as they've done a couple times uh, or guys who make significant contributions, then you've got to be able to step up and get them. 
That is fair, especially when you're talking about defensive back and four. I mean, because that's I mean, it's four safeties and it's four corners from Florida. And that's I understand like Tim Walton spent time there, but that's as a Jacksonville Jaguar where he's right. either coaching his players or he's in his office scheming. You know, it's not like he's right. out recruiting. And so there is Correct. when you've got a cornerbacks coach who hasn't done this in a decade. Go get out there and over that I've been just overkill. Overoffer, overoffer. Perry, go down there and overoffer, overoffer. So I think that's a good point. Follow Stephen. Follow our our merry band of correspondents who are bringing you recruiting intel all week. We try to get that out on a text, 614-350-3305. Updates as they happen, such as when the commitment happened last night of Mark Fletcher. We'll get you the next one as soon as it happens. For Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird. That was Buckeye Talk.